Hello, and welcome to Oats for Breakfast. Oats for Breakfast is affiliated with the Socialist Project, which is an eco socialist organization based in Toronto. My name is Brent. I'm Karma. And I'm Blake. We're trying out something different with this episode. Rather than doing an interview with someone, we're going to have a discussion among ourselves. We're going to discuss the recent debate that took place in Toronto between Slava Zizek and Jordan Peterson. Yeah, so this debate took place on April 19th uh, at, I where was it, Ralston College, Karma? It was in the Sony Center. The Sony Center. Yeah, okay. big venue. Um... And yeah, it was between Slavoj Žižek and Jordan Peterson. It hailed as the debate of the century. I'm not sure it was that. Um, Karma, you were actually at the debate. Uh, maybe you could just, I don't know, what was it like? Yeah, I mean, uh, initially I was kind of nervous going into the space. I didn't know what it was going to be like, like if it was going to be sort of a hostile environment or, or what. Uh, but going in, the security wasn't actually that tight. It was pretty loose. Um, yeah, it was pretty jubilant. People were like taking selfies. People were pretty excited about being there. It seems like there were some pretty big names, like on the, from I think the left, probably the right. There were some like actors and everything coming in as well. It was really? like, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting atmosphere. And then you know, what settling actors in. Actors were there. Yeah, star spotters. <laughs> I don't know. I just kept hearing like, oh, there's that person there's and person there's this person yeah. there. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's some like bit podcasters that were there, like leftist critiques and stuff like that. Okay, as well. Um, yeah, I mean. Settling in, a lot of people were like buying drinks beforehand. Uh, lots of people in the crowd were like double fisting tall boys. It was just like a yeah, very jubilant sort of like mm-hmm. um, you know, entertaining night, all in all. Um, and it seemed like I'm, so they were selling alcohol at this debate. Oh yeah, yeah, That's and ridiculous. I think most people were were pretty you know drunk by the end of it. Uh, and despite the moderator being like you know, no heckling, like very strict rules. Like a lot of that was going on yeah. for sure. And like, no one could really um, crack down on it. Um, definitely. I, I thought it was going to be a lot of men mm-hmm. at this debate, like a lot of, but I was surprised by the amount of women that I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't really what I was expecting. And it wasn't as hostile either. Like I was pretty comfortable being there. Maybe it's because I had the cheaper tickets. So there's like a lot of leftists around me probably, but it seemed like the room was, was um, at least, towards the end, like warming up to Zizek for sure. Uh, in the beginning, you know, you had some fans obviously on both sides of it, but um, definitely I felt like there was a, Could a good you tell the presence. difference between the two? Between like a Peterson supporter versus a Zizek supporter? I couldn't just tell the difference like by like observing no. things around me. I mean, yeah, some people would clap when Peterson said something. And, yeah, like, I yeah. guess that was a good indicator, but yeah. that same person would clap when Zizek said something as well. So mm. it was pretty hard to actually distinguish that. Yeah. 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 When we were watching from, um, from Brent's place, we, we noticed at the very outset, it seemed like Zizek was visibly uncomfortable uh, with the audience and with everything. And then he seemed uh, more stuffed up than normal. Yeah. He did. <laughs> I was a bit concerned. Um, and like the, I just wanted him to blow his nose. <laughs> There was that, and then I think... Uh, I wanted to blow his nose for him. <laughs> at the initial stages of uh, Peterson talking, it also... Um, well, a few minutes into Peterson's um, you know, book report on the Communist Manifesto, it seemed like he was visibly shaking and, and kind of uncomfortable, too. And I was wondering, were there a lot of you know, mouths open in the audience, wondering, you know, what is this guy talking about? Or why is he talking about the Communist Manifesto for 35 minutes? Um, was there a lot of that? Or did, did you see like a lot of people kind of engaged with Peterson and, and liking his kind of critiques? Uh, 
people laughed. People laughed yeah. a lot at him, mm. like multiple times. Was it the, was it a definite vibe in the place when he was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like it was like secondhand embarrassment inside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was curious because it, it was unclear to me from the uh, cheering and um, for both of them if the if the audience was kind of split fifty fifty or if it seemed like there was far more Zizek supporters, um, which I found interesting because you know leftists tend to be uh, less willing to pay uh, money for an event that costs as much as playoff tickets as maybe someone on the right would be. So. Yeah, I wasn't that pumped to see the debate originally, but then everyone started was talking about it and was planning on watching it. So yeah, decided to see. But as soon as Peterson started talking, I was like, "Turn this off, turn this off <laughs> yeah, right now." That. I couldn't, I could not stand this brutal analysis of the Communist Manifesto. I don't understand how you how long this debate was like what, six months in the works? Oh, it's, I think it was even longer in the... I, I don't understand how you don't prepare better than he did for a debate of this sort of magnitude. Well, actually, what surprised me the most was that um, he didn't hit the... I, I've watched a couple of the Peterson lectures on YouTube, especially the ones he gives to large audiences at universities. And he often talks about totalitarian school um, uh, of Sovietology, the kind of, you know, these... Uh, bring up Alexander Soltskin's uh, The Gulag Arpelagio and all these kind of thing. So I was expecting him to make um, more anti-collectivist debates that were kind of from the Cold War period, etc. And I didn't see any of the kind of stuff, the themes that were, were present within all of his previous presentations. Um, I was really surprised he went after the Communist Manifesto, actually, instead of doing an outward attack on, on the Soviet Union and totalitarian systems in general. Uh, and also a surprise that he only read the Communist Manifesto, yeah. um, which is... Um, like he could have paid someone to do a better summary mm-hmm. analysis oh, yeah. of the, you know, there's much smarter right-wing analysis than yeah. what he presented. Oh, yeah. It was atrocious. Well, his demeanor all in all was also very different from what it usually is. Like this very like strong-headed, like he confident. He shell-shocked. It's yeah. crazy to me. He's yeah. a very different demeanor. He was really like gentle and soft and friendly yeah. and uh, very like willing to listen even. It was just... Oh, but know. even when he was giving that first like, yeah, even his then, first opening statement, he seemed... Yeah, he seemed. I just couldn't believe that this was this guy had you know was as well known as he was. Mm-hmm. What was interesting to me actually is that he he started off by saying he didn't familiarize himself with Zizek's works because it was it, his Zizek's works that's were uh, <laughs> um, it, it was just too much material for him to cover in that small period. So he didn't cover any of it, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And not only did he not cover Zizek's work, he obviously didn't cover Marx's work because he only discussed the Communist Manifesto. And also he didn't couch his criticisms of Marx or. or um, socialism or communism or whatever he didn't couch it in the same kind of promotion of the liberal individual that he he does in his his other kind of presentations and and you late night youtube videos rambling or whatever he does yeah uh, there's i thing. had never watched or read anything by peterson but as soon as he started talking i could not believe how shockingly dumb he sounded hmm. and uh, i i couldn't i was almost embarrassed for uh, the left who have taken him seriously in the first place, you know? Yeah. It was like, how did this guy get the stature and the sort of name that he's, he's obtained 
And how come this hasn't happened sooner that he was basically just called out to be like a fraud? Like mm. when Zizek asked, asked that pointed question about um, this nonsense about like cultural Marxism, right? And yeah. said like, can you name me a postmodern neo-Marxist? He, he had no idea. No idea. How do you have no idea when you've been making that argument for like a year and people have been regurgitating it? ad nauseum and not one not one mention of any scholar activist that fits that category which was fascinating. yeah and his answer was like Foucault which is like yeah Foucault was <laughs> not a Marxist yeah. yeah yeah but I mean I do still like it, it's it's good that the debate exposed him for being what he is but I think it makes it still makes sense why he's so popular I mean like again he wasn't acting like he usually would act um, at the debate and uh, typically when you engage with, with his stuff on YouTube or whatever, it's, it is a bit more, you could see how it's more compelling, right? Yeah. Mm. You can totally, I can totally see how like an alienated dude or something who's having like a, a tough time mm-hmm. uh, would find something like that, you know, appealing or someone who feels like, I don't know, has issues with like identity politics or feels mm. kind of alienated from the academy as well would now be like, oh, look, there's this like figure in the academy um, that is like echoing what I feel sort of thing. It was yeah. very surface level way. Um, mm. But yeah, so I'm glad the debate happened to, to expose him, but it's, it's, I think he was certainly a force to be reckoned with. So his stuff is a lot of like, uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, clean yeah. your room. Yeah. Clean your, clean your room. room, which is not a bad idea. No, no, no. no I, there's um, you should clean your room <laughs> and it does help you, you know, no, like it does. Yeah. yeah. It helps you, you get more work done if your room is clean. Yeah, no, this is a strong defense of Peterson. Um, There's kind of two wings to Peterson's thought, right? There's the kind of self-help guru stuff uh, where he kind of, you know, his 10 rules for life or 12 rules or whatever for life, which is, is very much built around this kind of pull yourself from the boot by the bootstraps that, you know, society and the world's a cruel place. Um, so the best, only thing you can do is get more responsibilities and, and, and better ways of forms of resilience against this world. And the only way you can do that is through these kind of, this kind of self-help stuff. Um, but then there's the other wing of his thought, which is his kind of anti-totalitarian school of thought where he, he views like uh, the individuals being the most important category and the as be a, a, a attempt towards kind of collectivist solutions or anything. That's, that's the beginning of the end for, for society. And that's, this similar critique is, is an old one. This is this comes from the 1960s. People right. like Leszek Kolakowski, uh, even Karl Popper's Open Society, right? Um, this idea of opened and closed societies by conflating, you know, fascist projects and and the far left into both kind of the totalitarian schools of thought. Um, and whereas the with the only antidote to this is liberal democracy. And while liberal democracy is obviously imperfect and has all these problems, and and Peterson was very willing to, you know note the faults of, of capitalism, liberal democracy, but his idea, I think, is the, very similar to Popper's, um, is the fact that, you know, they're malleable, though. Liberal democracy, as, as opposed to kind of closed societies, the open society is something that's more malleable. It can, it's more adaptable to change. And in, in that sense, it's not, it's not as prone to these kind of totalitarian impulses. But mm, So he didn't bring up any of that stuff. He didn't bring up, uh, and I'm wondering if he is familiar with these kind of, um, these stronger, more sophisticated arguments that kind of al- almost say the exact same things that he tells these large audiences. Well, in the end, it was just Zizek responding to him, how you kind of respond to like a first year undergraduate student when they sort of bring up this sort of like bootstrap discourse or you do like a lot dealing with students is this is the issue. It's like they, they have a very hard time of seeing beyond themselves and seeing the larger social context 
that influences and determines a lot of individual behavior, right? So Zizek was just responding basically like, yeah, you can tell some, like his, that, that great moment where he's like, yeah, try telling someone in North Korea to yeah. pull themselves up by the bootstraps. I think like Peterson actually conceded that point a little bit too, like the, the whole individual discourse. Mm. Uh, because when, when Zizek was, was talking about that, he was like, oh no, like I'm not trying to make some like Ayn Rand um, argument here. Like I understand when I, when I tell, you know, my followers or whatever, uh, I talk about individualism. Like I'm saying the things that you should do should also be good for your family and, and should also be good for the community. Yeah, yeah. And like all of a sudden he's just conceding on these points mm. in ways that I don't think he has really before. Mm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And I think still that doesn't necessarily put it into like a bigger social context. Like Zizek was talking about how, yeah, like if your house is disordered, like maybe it's because society is disordered and like, that's really the thing we should yeah. be focusing on. Um, but yeah, I, I've never seen him concede in that way and be like, well, I'm not really talking about the individual here. I'm not saying that the individual should be like self-interested in this way. Which is funny because he has that famous YouTube video where he gets so emotional talking about the individual. Yeah, he break, so he breaks down into tears. And that's what I was, I was expecting more of this like uh, full defense of the Who? individual. Uh, Peterson? Peterson. Peterson, yeah. He has yeah. a famous YouTube video where he um, he's talking about communism and socialism, the Soviet Union. But then he breaks down into tears talking about how important the individual is, is what, what we should be focusing on in society is is the freedom of the individual and, and i don't think anyone would like disagree with that in a sense like everyone wants a society in which individuals can express their autonomy and their individuality to the fullest extent etc mm -hmm. and i think that's what zizek was saying is that you need particular social structures in which that is going to happen right. the individual can't be understood outside of these social contexts that's the thing like is Peterson, like it doesn't even make sense. Well, like his, his, his concept of individuality is like vacuous. Well, his idea is that, and this kind of thing evolves out of his um, his work in clinical psychology. His idea is that you know human beings suffer in, in many ways that are maybe not even related to the economic sphere. So he talks about you know the spiritual and natural warfare within within the individual itself, and like and the struggle for just to live within the natural world is is something that almost outs as, as a non-class like, there's ways that human beings struggle that or maybe have nothing to do with kind of class conflict etc and he he kind of has, struggled to exist in the natural world like he, he just camping? just the, just the exist yeah well it was almost like yeah, it's almost like he was saying we're, we're all facing the elements but i think it's more about kind of this primordial man facing you know yeah yeah okay. bare bare life just um just struggling to survive and and the kind of burden of existence oh itself which is um yeah, so it's not class burden; it's the burden of existence itself. And he he uses this as a way, as a way to kind of talk about the spiritual realm and 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 these kind of existential crises. Or okay, yeah. What do you think? Do you think like what do you think makes Zizek sort of appealing in the in, in similar ways? I guess because people compare them, right? They say like Zizek's a left contender to Peterson. That has been the liberal response, right? Right. Definitely reading. I mean, like articles yeah. in the Guardian and Vice. Vice. Mm. Well, yeah. is to trying to draw equivalences towards these two. I think there's similarities in the critique of quote-unquote uh, identity politics, uh, of hyper-political correctness. But yeah, I, I think the similarities are way overdrawn. Well, the political correctness part is interesting too because I think that they, they have a very different understanding of how um, 
modern social movements that are based around kind of identity and so forth. Uh, Peterson argues that obviously that they're totalitarian, that they've gone way too far, that they, the social justice warriors or whatever um, new right wing slur that they have against these people, um, that these these movements have kind of taken hold over the institution and they've gone too far. Whereas I think that Zizek argues that they haven't gone far enough. The problem with something like me, the Me Too movement is is not that it's um, uh, pervasive and it's it's kind of fundamentally transform social relations. I feel like Zizek's critique of, uh, of, of like political correctness is more so that it's just not honest, mm. that it doesn't actually deal with mm. the issue. Is that like the, he says like, you know, racism is a thing, sexism is a thing, but then just kind of like changing or like hyper-policing ourselves about how we talk about it yeah. is just kind of covering up the issue and not, not getting to the root of it. Exactly. Um, but I also think like, I think that is one, one thing you can draw, but I do think it's the fact that they sort of both discuss these like everyday mundane things um, from like a, a cultural critique, mm. you know? So they'll talk about like dating and love oh, and like okay. alienation and what that feels yeah. like, right? So they both discuss these things. And I feel like that's why they have like the sort of mass appeal that they have. And so, yeah, like when, when people kind of write off Zizek and say like he's not a serious leftist, I oh, mean, yeah. it's like what other leftists are really dealing with these issues that like people want to, to discuss and have. Well, and yeah, he's not a... Also, Peterson came with a sort of brutal, I guess, economic critique of mm-hmm. the Communist Manifesto, but that's not actually what Zizek's like a Lacanian psychoanalysis stroke, like Hegelian philosopher, weird, but also then, you know, just a cultural critic. Mm-hmm. And so you, he's, you know, he's very prevalent in a lot of, or I don't know anymore, but a lot of like cultural studies types departments, critical theory. So he focuses on ideology. Yeah. So... I don't know why Peterson came with expecting to b- debate Marxism as an economic doctrine. And there's much better people to do that than Zizek. That's why Zizek mentioned like David Harvey. So it's it just a complete ignorance of also what Zizek does. And I think they eventually found that they're kind of both focusing on this sort of more cultural level or ideological level. Well, on one hand, I th- yeah, I think I completely agree. Um, but they, there was a point that I, I noted that was very interesting when they start talking about um, the lobster debate, which is the, the the famous Peterson thing about, you know, the naturalization of hierarchy. And I thought that was kind of interesting because... What's that argument? Uh, basically that, you know, we're uh, we're naturally endowed with like a, a propensity to to find hierarchies and that these hierarchies are not unjust always, but rather they're kind of natural. It's like an efficient way of, of organization um, is through hierarchies. And I think he brings up, in, in other debates, he brings up Pareto and all these kind of, uh, all this kind of stuff. But Zizek's response to that uh, was quite interesting because he was saying, you know, authority is kind of different than hierarchy and, 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 and the differences between authority and hierarchy I thought was quite interesting. Well, and Peterson's a hack. Like also what you saw in the debate was a difference between an actual, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Zizek, but an actual intellectual that has been made, was made famous by his ideas, whether or not you like them or not. Mm-hmm. What you saw with Peterson was a guy who was made famous by a viral video and like of a protest at U of T. And then you know, reaching an, an audience at YouTube that, quite frankly, didn't know any better. And then in this debate, you just see he was just thoroughly outclassed intellectually. And Zizek was talking to someone who was not at his level, and he knew that. That's why he didn't even address. As soon as he, uh, Peterson went on to his rant about the Communist Manifesto, Zizek was probably just like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I've seen Zizek debate much uh 
stronger intellectuals than that. And he, he does get a bit more, you know, agitated into it. But this was just completely different because it was just like, this is him talking to, you know, it's like a professor talking to a student, essentially. But see, given the fact that like Peterson's fan base or whatever wasn't necessarily intellectuals or wasn't necessarily people who are like seriously interested in these ideas, I did wonder afterwards, I was like, I wonder what impact this would have because JJ obviously sort of like owned Peterson multiple times. Um, but then reading through some of the stuff, I was like, a lot of people were like, I didn't know what the hell Zizek was talking about. Um, I mean, there was a mixed response. I think a lot of people that I know that were JP sort of sympathizers or fans before were like, oh, like he's been completely exposed and I've completely lost trust for him. But I have seen sort of like other people uh, who are not actually interested at all in, in, in these ideas um, sort of be like, again, yeah, like I didn't really understand what Zizek was talking about. Yeah. Um, so I do. And yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah. Just, just how much he covered. Like he, he went every one. On well, he's, yeah, he's, he's always, always kinda, been like that. Yeah. yeah. It's always been. And also like this paradoxical style where he tries to argue something, you know, that, uh, you wouldn't think he would be arguing in the first place. Like that's been like a cons and these anecdotes yeah. about like the Soviet union, like, yeah always to demonstrate some point about you know psychoanalysis usually mm -hmm. he kind of just played all his like greatest hits like he didn't yeah. really actually engage with peterson that much he did a few times obviously but you know he just said all like his his most famous jokes that like usually get laughs he just kind of did all of that um his all his stances that are usually more popular and uh that's kind of how he which i think it was a smart move in general in terms of how to engage with with peterson but i mean going back to the to the debate and like how it played out like who do you feel like this debate was for well that's a good question yeah uh, i think peterson wanted to make money off of it yeah sure which but. he probably did i think zizek saw it also in terms of just basically being able hey i could probably capture a lot of peterson's fan base and i think he he did that quite well yeah i mean i think so too but i, I think a lot of sort of intellectuals felt like this debate was for them and then they were disappointed. Mm. Um, oh. And that's kind of bothered me because I don't feel like this was meant to be, it was meant as like sort of, I think it was meant as inter entertainment in some ways. Uh, but I also don't think it was really necessarily meant for people who seriously engage with these ideas and like have read a lot of things or no. like, yeah, I feel like it's for people who have like engaged through these ideas through like YouTube mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was for a service. younger audience, I think. And that's why uh, the the big question I was left with at the end was was do you how many converts do you think there were to Zizek? It's, it's unlikely I think that someone who's a Zizek supporter would have been won over by Peterson's arguments. But um, I, I spoke to someone I knew, uh, an old friend of mine who who liked Peterson before, but now he's slowly kind of liking Zizek, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And he was saying that. Uh, watching the debate, it was even from someone who's not an academic. He he was very convinced that Peterson was a very weak act. Like the the difference between the two actors was very clear. Even if you're not you know not a Zizek fan at all, yeah. it, it's very hard to walk away from this debate and think, wow, Peterson really really stuck it to Zizek there. Yeah, no, exactly. I think I don't know how many converts to, to Zizek like fans yeah. you'd have, but definitely uh, I think a lot of JP fans 
were like, what the hell is this? Like <laughs> this guy just yeah. embarrassed himself. I was, I was going to bring up one, uh, another thing that I thought might be uh, very interesting. So uh, the aspect of whether or not this was a debate in general or whether this was a debate at all, because I think there was, there was a notable moments where they kind of aligned with one another. And, and I think this was an attempt on Zizek to make Pearson a little more comfortable. Um, yeah. I, you know, like, but on the, on the topic of like what the kind of things that they were talking about and whether mm. they agreed or not, I mean, yeah, I think sure people were calling it too friendly or whatever. Sometimes I think that's fair. It wasn't too much. Of, it wasn't like antagonistic or heated or anything. Um, but also, how could you get heated? You, that's Peterson. the thing. It's it's hard, right? Because if you're not taking someone seriously, then of course it's going to be kind of more friendly. And uh, I think Zizek's kind of like charm and wittiness. He was just kind of trying not to be. Um, which I think someone made a point to me who you know, historically didn't really, hasn't like, has had an aversion to the left who was like, oh, like Zizek was a really good uh, stand in there because he, he wasn't like sort of like self-righteous and, and, you know, that kind of thing that like a lot of leftists tend to be sometimes. So it was like a nice uh, depiction, at least for this person, right? Who, oh. who hasn't necessarily like engaged a lot. That's the thing. I think that Zizek um, hit the nail on the head on when mm -hmm. he suggested like to Peterson supporters or to whoever, there's alternatives beyond a sort of like hyper PC left, yeah. whatever that is. Usually it's just, I think sort of like internet personalities that are exaggerated and being uh, alt-right sort of Donald Trump supporters. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think that's a hundred percent true. I think that that's why you're seeing these Pearson supporters finding Zizek actually attractive because they've never even been, they've never seen a kind of left critique that doesn't take on this kind of, holier than thou, self-righteous, you know, what, what the, those internet right-wing YouTube videos, the SJW cringe videos that all the Peterson fans love. Mm -hmm. um, they're just never, they've never been introduced to kind of this more, you know, renegade, non-politically correct form of leftism um, that kind of Zizek kind of represents. And this form of left that's not, um, that's very critical also of this kind of liberal PC identity politics left or whatever you're going to call it. So I think that that, in that sense, it was really useful. And it's also useful for people on the left, I think, to see that Peterson is not a, a fascist or a Nazi, um, because I think that that's also a disingenuous way of framing uh, framing Peterson's arguments, because Peterson's arguments are actually very old dad arguments that were made for Well, for and that's also kind of, it's probably like, it sounds like, like, I don't know, like Nietzschean, existential, mm -hmm. Kierkegaard, some crap like that right yeah so is he a fascist i i don't think he's a fascist. No. he's very much not a fascist and i think that that and or he, i even would consider him really far right i think he isn't he's, he's attractive to people who who are critical of the left yeah i think yeah it has it has a bit to do with the political and cultural context of today mm -hmm. uh and i think where it's shifted in the last couple of years with me too and with uh, Black Lives Matters, like you probably wouldn't get a Jordan Pearson in 2006. No, he would you would be born. You'd be too born because now there is a sort of uh, mainstream recognition of a sort of dominant culture dynamic that for long for a long time has sort of tried to hide these sorts of issues. And it's important to point that out, though. Like it's important to point out these sort of uh, oppressions that have been hidden from view for so long. Like, I don't know. I think Zizek maybe too f goes maybe too far in being completely in, in aligning himself with Peterson in that respect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he could have drawn a more nuanced distinction there where he's like, yeah, you know, we want 
we don't want a sort of paranoid left where everyone's walking on eggshells constantly. We want to support an environment of learning about issues, learning about social injustice, and learning about ways in which we can better ourselves to address those. I don't think he did that, uh, which I guess is is one of the uh, you know faults of Zizek there. Yeah, no, I think that that's. I think he brings he brings to light kind of these um, contradictory aspects that the left kind of paints a very rosy picture on on all that stuff instead of you know doing the right thing, but also acknowledging that there are kind of contradictions even to doing the right thing. Yeah, but he does it in this kind of like sometimes overly provocative way I feel like where yeah. he's like trying to get at a specific reaction or like he's trying to he is trying to provoke right which is fine I think that's just his style um, and I find like the issue more so with with it being like Zizek being sort of like inadequate is the fact that we don't have enough people kind of trying to take honest takes on the left right mm-hmm. um, and because I feel like if we have more than that then we might have someone else who is making kind of similar arguments or whatever uh, without necessarily taking this uh, this approach of trying to be provocative necessarily um, and I think with both Zizek and, and Peterson they you know they fill a void that hasn't been filled like with Peterson uh, he definitely kind of is filling a void that exists, right? And that the left hasn't been able necessarily to fill, to reach out to the same kind of people. Uh, and Jizek maybe a little bit more so, but then, you know, Jizek is a little, he could be a little pedantic or whatever, like, so he wouldn't necessarily be reaching out to the same kind of uh, same kind of audience. Um, and so I kind of really hope that, I don't know, on the left, we get some, because Zizek is also, I mean, sorry, Peterson is very, like, accessible, right? Like, he sounds very sophisticated, Mm -hmm. but it's also really easy to understand. Um, And I kind of wish that we had someone (laughs) like that on the left that, like, can very easily, you know, have have a character or whatever, um, make simple arguments that are sophisticated and whatever, um, and reach out to the same kind of audiences, because I feel like... That's still not really. Yeah, case. that's that's interesting. Bring that up. The simplicity of the argument. Um, is there not anyone on YouTube that's kind of like a left Peterson? I mean, I don't know if there's a left Peterson, like you said. I don't think. I mean, I Richard Wolff maybe. Um, Richard Wolff is like very though, like classical Marxist yeah, yeah. economist, you know, and he makes good arguments. They're oh, really yeah. simple, but a cultural sort of leftist, like someone who would talk about culture mm. and that sort of thing. That's. Um, I mean, this is something. I don't know. I don't know if you. Have heard about contrapoints? Oh yeah, the yeah, contrapoints yeah. is is pretty. That's pretty. pretty yeah, yeah. The videos are a little great. more highly edited. <laughs> they are, yeah, yeah. they are. But I think she does it in a different way, like yeah. than than Peterson would, mm. which is good, right? Because I think yeah. Yeah, she the, doesn't do the the late night ramblings on the no. back on the on the bad computer camera, right? But speaks directly <laughs> to to people who would be uh, like JP fans or like alt writers or whatever. Also critiques yeah. the left, I think, in more nuanced ways, um, and actually says this like very like she, she's. She has like, yeah, the real debate isn't in academia right now. Like it's on YouTube and it's like, which and I agree like with. like Chapo Trap House too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Good job. Yeah. yeah. So there's stuff. So there are oh, people Mike, out there. Yeah. Michael Brooks, the Michael Brooks show. Um, also, um, not, not, I don't want to compare him to Peterson, but I, I think he engages in a very useful way to do non-academics to kind of push left ideas uh, to a, like a larger audience too. So thanks for tuning in to Oats for Breakfast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email podcast at socialistproject.ca. Remember that you can support the podcast and the work of the Socialist Project by going to patreon.com slash oatsforbreakfast and becoming a patron. Our patrons get access to exclusive content. In the coming week, patrons from the podcast will get to listen to an extended discussion about the debate between Slavoj Žižek and Jordan Peterson. In the extended discussion, we'll be commenting on the reactions that others have had to the debate, including leftists, Jordan Peterson fans, and the mainstream media. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.